Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. We're going to look at how we can reflect God's glory in how we uh, operate in our soul. Uh, You know, for the last several weeks, we've been doing this series on lordship. And it's entitled, Who is He to You? You know, Jesus, he asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they were giving him all these different answers. And he said, well, that's fine. Most of them are incorrect. But who do you say I am? Peter, I love his answer. He said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the Lord. And there's a difference between Lord and Savior. We talked about that early on. And Jesus, when we accept Jesus as Savior, he saves us and we have an eternal home. But when we make him Lord of our life, we we make him Lord of everything. And our really our key scripture in this whole thing is Matthew 22, 37 through 39, where they ask him, Lord, what is the most important commandment? And he says, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Last week, Alan, I still haven't had a chance to catch up on last week's message, but Alan uh, stepped in for me at the last minute, and he brought an incredible message. Uh, I know it was incredible, one, because Alan preached it, and I have uh, high confidence in him as a, a minister of the word. But secondly, I haven't even shared this with him, that there's incredible fruit. I'll tell you about that later. There's incredible fruit that people have texted me throughout the week and uh, confessions, man. I mean, it's just been amazing. And it's all from the message from last week. And uh, so he talked about how to make the Lord, Lord of our strength, our resources. Today, I'm gonna bring this message and it's really gonna be about Lord of our soul. So I want you to think about this. I want you to ask yourself two questions. The first one is, what am I passionate about? Like, what, what's one thing that you're passionate about? You got it? Usually it doesn't take us very long to come up with what we're passionate about. As a matter of fact, you've heard people say uh, before, show me your checkbook and show me your calendar and I'll show you what you're passionate about. What you spend the most money on or the most time uh, around. And it might be work. It might be golf. Like, no, like, I'll use Shay's dad for example. Nobody had to worry about what Bill Sibley was passionate about. Because he spent literally every day of his life on the golf course. Every day, Pastor Rife. Well, with the exception of maybe vacation. And I'm just going to tell you on most vacations, he was on the golf course. I went with him a few times. I'm not a golfer uh, by any means, but I mean, he had golf stuff everywhere. Anytime you went to his house, it was on the golf channel. Um, He had golf hats. He had, I mean, he had just golf memorabilia everywhere. You did not have to wonder what he was passionate about. Then here's a second question. How passionate am I? 
How passionate am I for the Lord? How passionate are you for the Lord? Those two questions, what am I passionate about? And how does it compare to my passion for the Lord? Chris Valentin says it this way. I love this quote. He said, we should be easily accusable about the things that we're passionate about. Like, I've had people to tell me before, like, they're very passionate about something. I'll say, so what are you passionate about? And they've told me what they were passionate about. And I'm like, as a mentor, I'm, they've given me permission to speak into their life. And I would say back to them, hmm, that surprises me. Really? Why does it surprise you? Because I've never once heard you talk about it. I've never seen you operate in it. Like if anybody had asked me that you were passionate about X, I would say, no, I don't think so. Because I've never seen any evidence that you were passionate about it. If you're passionate about something, you're going to talk about it. If you're passionate about it, you're going you're gonna to have a jersey with your favorite team name or favorite slogan or, or whatever. If you're passionate about it, you're going to go visit it. If you're passionate about it, you're, gonna, you're going to post about it. What are you passionate about? How passionate are you uh, about things? And so we talked in this whole thing that lordship involves our whole body. And today I want to talk to you about him being the lord of our emotions, our soul. Soul is basically our emotions. It's our passion. You've heard before people to say uh, that our emotions are made up of our mind, will, and emotions. Like we can go deep into it and I'm not going to. We could go deep into like, what is our soul? You know, the soul is the part of us that lives forever. But our soul, basically, when we're talking about soul, we're talking about emotions. We're talking about our passions. We're talking about the thing that makes our personality. Not our spirit. Our spirit animates our body. Our spirit comes from God. And when we die, our spirit goes back to God. Our body goes to the earth. So we're made of body, soul, and spirit. Spirit goes back to God. Body goes back to the earth. But our soul lives forever. It's the thing that not what animates our body, but what gives our body character and personality and and. The essence of basically our identity is made up of our soul. But here's the thing about soul. Soul can be so fickle because we live in a fallen world and soul and emotions are all over the place. Anybody ever uh, experienced their emotions are all out of whack? You know, I go through men appalls, you know, like, man, my... I'm telling you, man, sometimes my emotions are out of whack. This past week, my emotions were out of whack. And there were just times that I would start crying. I started crying in front of my uh, wife. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm sitting at a gas pump and, I, and, I t- and I'm talking to her. And I said, I'm trying to not cry. <laughs> you know? And she's like, well, it's okay to cry. It's okay. You know? and, I, and I get that. But I will cry at anything, man. I cry at toilet paper commercials if the music is just right. I cry at about anything. And so... You know, our emotions, though, can kind of be all over the place, and emotions can also fool you. Emotions have got to be harnessed, and emotions are are like an unbridled horse. You know, 
It's a maverick. It's a bronco. It's just wild and, and roaming free and bucking. But when you harness your emotions, you can, you can streamline them. You can pull them in and, you, and, and our emotions can be operated in in a very healthy way. We are in charge of our emotions. Our emotions are not in charge of us. And you know, as we talk about this, this is what I want to share with you. Our passion for the Lord is fueled by the pursuit of him. Our passions for the Lord are fueled by your and my pursuit of him. Because many times our passion will wane, our passion will die down. And you know, it's not as fresh and it's not as new. It's kind of like that new car you bought, man. Uh, the first little bird that poops on it. You out there with the water hose, you scrubbing it down, you getting it all you know, shiny again. And then, you know, eight months down the line, uh, you, you know, you aren't that passionate about it. You know, you'll let that bird poop uh, sit on that hood for a few days. Don't let it sit too long though, because it'll stain your paint. What am I passionate about? My kids said that I'm passionate about my cars. Now I don't, I don't drive fancy cars, but I'm gonna drive a clean car. And they're like, dad, you have a sickness. <laughs> like, dad, seriously, you're mental when it comes to a clean car. Because for years, I would wash my car sometimes every day. I would wash my car hand every week, inside and out, full detail. And they just thought that that was the craziest thing. But I wanted a very clean car. I was passionate about a clean car. So my passion for the Lord is fueled by my pursuit of him. Sometimes our, our, our passion wanes for God. But as we look through scripture, we can see people who uh, were, were like ruled by their emotions a lot of times. Moses was ruled by his emotions. He killed a man because he got too emotional in the moment. And he, uh, he was very, you know, fickle when it came to his emotions a lot of times. Jeremiah, the prophet, we just read one of uh, the scriptures that he wrote, but Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet because uh, many of his messages were kind of gloomy and doomy and, and he would weep over the people of God and, and over the sin. And so he, he had this very emotional, you look at Peter, Peter could be high, low, high, low, high, low, you know, because he let his emotions drive him. He about killed that soldier, but he missed his head and, uh, well, almost missed it, but he got his ear. And then one minute he's saying, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. And the next second he's saying, Lord, wash all of me. And one minute he's saying, um, you know, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll be with you to the death. And the next minute, He's denying that he even knows Jesus three times. Like his emotions were all over the place. But once Peter got his emotions in check and once Peter was able to channel them, man, 3,000 people came to the Lord in one day because he harnessed his emotions. And then there are people like David. You look at David and David is a really good example of us when it comes to uh, 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 harnessing the power of our soul. Most of our Psalms are written from him. Um, David, he praised the Lord in the field. 
when he is by himself with nobody around in hard work in the heat of the day. He praised him in Saul's uh, uh, palace when Saul was trying to kill him. When Saul had it out for him, he harnessed his emotions instead of retribution and revenge. He harnessed those emotions and he used it for good. He, um, he worshiped the Lord and harnessed his emotions when he lost a child. Anybody who's ever lost a child, you know what an emotional, I don't know that uh, feeling and I hope that I never do. But that's an emotional uh, time in somebody's life. And when he, when he lost the child, he gathered himself, gathered his emotions. And that's where we get these beautiful Psalms like Psalm 23. I want you to listen to this. In, in one of the most trying times of David's life, this is what he writes. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want he lets me rest in green pastures and he leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bring, and I bring honor to his name. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not be afraid for he is close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Just stop there for a second because he's like, man, I mean, war is breaking out. A battle is going on, but you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I'm just telling you, in a battle, you don't prepare a table. In a battle, you grab a sandwich or a biscuit or something whenever you can and you're dodging bullets. But when the Lord is with you, he's, he's, what he's doing is he's, he's harnessing his emotions. And he's saying, I will not be ruled by my emotions during my battle. I will be ruled by the blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste. Like, I will be ruled by the fact that God is stable. He's my shepherd. He's my guide. He leads me. And then he says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, when he's the Lord of your soul... That's what sustains you in the moments that you feel like you're losing everything. If he's not Lord of your emotions and if he's not Lord over your soul, come on now, somebody please hear me in this house today. Like right now, your world is a mess. It's a hot mess. You didn't make it that way. Circumstances beyond your control got you there, but you feel like all hell is breaking loose and you don't know what to do. But I'm telling you, when he is Lord of your soul, when he is Lord of your emotions, you can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You make a table for me in the presence of my enemies. When he's Lord over your soul, when he's Lord over your emotions, that's what gives us the stability in these times. When people hurt you in church, when he's Lord over your emotions, you don't have to leave the church. You don't have to unfriend them on Facebook. When he's Lord of your emotions, 
You don't have to walk in bitterness when he's Lord of your emotions. But when he's not Lord of your emotions, you become ruled, we become ruled by our emotions. I've been there, you've been there, we've all done that and we've all got the t-shirt. But when he is Lord of our emotions, when he is Lord of our soul, we are to worship him, we are to love him with all of our soul and say, God, here I am. Every day I'm telling you, I go to the Lord and say, Lord, just like David, he said, Lord, search my heart. If there's anything in me, God, that I've missed, if there's anything in me, Lord, that, that I, I may have overlooked, God, if there's anything there that is gonna mess up this relationship that you and I've got going on, God, search me, point it out to me. And God, many times, he will show me things and attitudes and actions that I'll have to go back and repent. And many times, I'll have to go back and, uh, and apologize for, make things right. And so my passion for the Lord is fueled by my pursuit of him. Look at what Jeremiah 29, 13 says. He says, you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. There's that word whole and there's that word heart again. How are we supposed to love the Lord? How are we supposed to worship the Lord? With all, whole, all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And he says, when you seek me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Listen, I'm telling you, it's absolutely impossible for you to have entered the building today and you not find God. It's absolutely impossible for you to enter the building today and you not to have an experience with God. Now, it might not be an emotional experience, but he might meet you on, on, on a, a mindful level, on, on an intelligence level, on like a revelation or knowledge level. Are you following me? He might meet you in, in some way in your body. That's the, that's the strength. But he says, when you, when you search me out, you will find me. Listen, I'm here to tell you, and you already know this, God is not hiding from us. He's not hiding from us. God's not trying to make it difficult to be in community with you. If anything, he is longing for community more than we are longing for community with him. He's longing for community with us. And when we seek him, we will find him. But guess what? In that, in that scripture that you see behind me, Who's doing the seeking first? We are. And it is always we have an investment up front. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened. Ask and it will be answered. Not the other way around. Not the answer will be given and then you ask. I'll open the door before you knock. It's, it's none of that. It's always an investment. If any of you guys have ever done anything in the community, it's many times like this in church as well, but if you've ever done anything in, in the community, you could actually try to give something away and people don't respect it. Are you following me? But if you charge a little bit, all of a the sudden they've got some skin in the game and they respect it more. I, I learned that a long time ago, that when, when you uh, charge a little bit of something for something, 
They have some skin in the game. They even feel some dignity. Are you following me? Like when you give something away, it's kind of like a handout. It's a freebie or whatever. And like, well, you know, and, and you'll give them something and they're supposed to come pick it up on a certain day. A lot of times in outreach, it's kind of like this. And you're doing some outreach ministry and people will tell you they'll show up and they won't show up. In church, a lot of times, I don't know how it is in the school system necessarily or any other organization, but a lot of times in church, uh, you'll, you'll offer people. I learned a long time ago, don't pay for people's missions trips. I, I know we want to, you know, I know we want to be like, you know, well, let's just bless this person and let's just pay for their entire missions trip. Um, David said, I won't give God anything that didn't cost me something. Now, I know it feels good to have that mission trip paid for, but you know what? I've paid for missions trips before for people, and they backed out. And I already had a $700 plane ticket that was non-transferable. But when I all of a sudden started saying, hey, you've got to invest this much even if you can't pay for the whole thing, you, if you invest this much, guess what? Somehow, they mysteriously found out a way to rearrange their schedule. Why? Because they had some skin in the game. When it comes to God, there's something about God wanting you and me to have skin in the game. Give, and it'll be given back to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Everything with God, it seems that once we're in relationship with him, he wants us to take a step. Why? Because he wants to, you know, he wants to see that initiative, that spark, that passion in us. So my passion for the Lord is fueled by my pursuit of him. How hard are you pursuing God? How hard are you going after God? And I'm just telling you, man, the longer you're in the faith, it seems to me like, um, you know, it gets easier to not pursue God because we know all the biblical answers. We've studied the scripture those, those scriptures are easy to come to us. You know, we've been in the way, so to speak, for a long time. But I'm telling you what, God wants us to be as passionate about him as we were when we first, if not greater, than we first came to know him. Look at Revelation um, chapter 2. And before we go there, I just want to share with you, like, when you were, when the Lord is the Lord of your soul and you are in control of your emotions. You are the pace setter. Listen to me for a second. You're the pace setter. You're the climate changer. You determine the atmosphere. Like see, when you're not, when he's not Lord of your soul, you have to be, you know, pumped up and primed. I'm just telling you, I'm in control of my soul. I'm not trying to brag. I hadn't been there all my life, but I'm telling you, I'm in control of my soul. You can ask my wife. It's gonna take me a lot to, to get me to the place where I'm out of control with my emotions. Am I lying, Shay? It takes me. 
She, she said, yeah, because I tried. A to the men, Sister Shay. That woman would be pressing some buttons. But it does. Take, it takes me a lot. And if you ever see me where, when I'm out of control, it is not pretty, you know, because you, you say things you regret. Because now you're just like spewing, you know? And, um, and I've been through times of my life where I've not, I have, you've seen me in those times of my life where I've, 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 I've struggled with my emotions and I, you know, it's like, I'm trying to keep it together, but I'm leaking, you know, we've all been there, but overall, I am generally very well in control of my emotions. I've made my mind up that the band does not have to get me revved up. I've made my mind up that they don't have to be singing my favorite song. Now, I used to not be there. I used to be the person that, that's sitting there going, dude, I don't know any of these songs, and I don't like them. Like, they just don't get my, my you know, this part of me getting all, you know, woo. It just doesn't do it for me. And then I realized like, I can worship him anywhere. I can worship him to any kind of music. I can worship him in any setting. I can be sitting with some of the most vile people. Now, they're vile in human standards to God. They're, you know, there is children that are just lost. He loves them. But I can be in some of the most vile situations where people around me, they're just lost and debaucherous. And I'm going, oh God, how soon can I get out of here? And in the middle of that, I can see things and, and God working and giving him glory, even in the middle of that. It's taken me time to get there. But what happens is when you're in control of your emotions, you're a catalyst and you'll walk in and you won't have to tell people to change. They will change because of your soul. Are you following me? You look like you're not following me. I won't say it again. Maybe a little different. Like usually you walk in to a place and if there's something going on that you don't like, like, for instance, somebody's got a foul mouth. And uh, there have been times where I'm like, dude, this guy's mouth, dude, I'm going to have to say something to him because there are ladies present. And so I, how many of you, hey, man, you need to watch your mouth. Anybody ever been to a ball game where one guy told another guy to watch their mouth and then something ensued that was like a, you know, <laughs> I have. But when he's Lord of your soul, you walk in and you carry a peace about you and you carry a stability about you and there's an air about you that you will walk in and you won't have to tell the person to watch their mouth or, hey man, can you clean your language up? There are kids present. But your presence the presence of God around you, your presence will change that atmosphere when he's Lord of your emotions. Because you can try to do it in the flesh 
or you can try to do, or, or let the Spirit do it for you. Listen, I'm telling you stuff, guys, I don't know, because maybe I'm just reading your faces wrong this morning, but I, I don't know if you've ever been in those situations where, man, just your presence will change atmospheres when he's Lord of your soul. You will be a man of peace or a woman of peace and you walk into the room or you'll be a man or woman of wisdom that you're not ruled by your emotions like your emotions are getting all out of whack over here but when he's Lord of your emotions you'll be a man or a woman of wisdom and you'll walk into that room and what was chaos before now becomes structured and organized. While I was dealing with my my mom's estate this past week I walked out to the road and I was talking to this lady and her husband. And, uh, you know, my mom, she was the longest um, serving school crossing guard in her town, in our hometown. And she just retired and they did a little article and and, uh, uh, news piece on her. and, um, And she had served for 40 years in that position. And she just retired at 89. I walked out to the car, these ladies, uh, and uh, well, actually a family, they had stopped and they were going to look at some things for her estate that were for sale. And I talked to the lady and, and she said, oh yeah, your mom was, uh, was my kid's um, school crossing guard. And her husband said, she was my school crossing guard, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, just talking to him for a little little bit, well, you know, I told him that it would be uh, here tomorrow, and they came by. And when she came up to me, she said, um, without any, like the very first thing, she said, you're a man of God, aren't you? And I'm like, it's the hair, right? <laughs> you know. Um, I said, well, yes, ma'am. And she said, I knew you were a man of God. She said, I could tell it when we were talking yesterday. Now, we were not talking about anything spiritual at all no nothing overtly but the presence of the lord was there and that's what you carry when you go into these situations and when he's lord of your emotions you you will be an influencer you know you got all these people on youtube that are trying to be influencers they're trying to be influencers you won't have to try to be an influencer you are an influencer when holy spirit is lord over your soul when he's lord over your emotions but i'm telling you what you want to you want to lose some influence and it takes time for you to 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 uh, build up influence and for you to gain trust with people but you let your emotions get out of whack and you let your soul take over you for a moment and you can ruin your reputation. You can ruin your influence. I've let it happen to me before and I've lost influence with people over one conversation that I had that I let my emotions drive me instead of me driving my emotions. So Revelation 2, 4 Uh, And five says this, are you there? Okay. Jesus, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. This is where he's, he's given seven letters to the churches throughout Asia. And we know that these churches were real churches, but these churches are also symbolic. They are types of the church today. 
And so he's writing to the church at Ephesus. And as he's writing to the church at Ephesus, he's saying uh, that, I'm just going to paraphrase this. He's saying, listen, you guys have a lot of things going right. And I'm very proud of you for these things that you have going right. And you, you've done all of these things great, but, and this is where verse four takes over. He says, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. The new King James says that you've left your first love. But he says, you don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and to the works you first did. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. I want you to just think about this for a second. As the Lord's saying, listen, from the outward appearance, this church has a lot going on. I mean, if anybody had walked into the church of of Ephesus at that time, they would have thought, man, this church is theologically sound. This church has some great music. It's got a great pastoral staff. There's a lot of great things happening in this church. And then he breaks out with, but I have this against you. You have left, like not lost it, but you left it. Because whose job is it to keep you passionate? It's your job. Well, I'm not getting fed anymore. Listen, church is not where you come to get fed, friend. Hang on, hang on. Because if this is the place where you come to get fed, what are you doing all week? Like, this is not the place. The, the modern day church, and I'm not talking about the, the, the latter 19th century or 200s. I'm talking about for the last several hundred years. The modern day church has, has changed what this gathering is all about. This gathering is all about worshiping him. Now, there are times where, you know, we, we even do it a little bit here because... In our culture, if you didn't have it, you wouldn't have a church. You wouldn't have a gathering. I hope I'm making sense. This gathering is for us to worship the Lord, not feed you or me. And how many times have we heard growing up, I got to get a word today. I'm going to church to get a word. No, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. Like, how weird would it be if, you know, I was out with Lynn not too long ago and Larry, and I'm telling you what, I was having some, a soul moment. We were eating soul food. You know why they call it soul food, don't you? Because it, it, it's emotional. And I know, I know, dude, I was probably embarrassing them. We were, where's Dick Russell? Uh, we were over at Dick Russell Barbecue, and I ordered some pork chops. And I'm like, I embarrassed myself almost. I'm eating these pork chops, and I'm like, mmm, oh, my God, these are so good. You want a bite of these? Like, these are amazing. And I typically do not go crazy with food like that, but I was not in control of my emotions. I was having a soulish moment. And I was like, oh, my God, man, I only got two of these. I should have got another one. But, you know, I don't even know why I was telling you that. <laughs> I don't know. God, help me get back on track. 
Oh, yeah, fed. All right, yeah. So, you know, wouldn't it be weird if all of a sudden in that restaurant, I just went over to uh, Lynn and I just started spoon feeding him? When Lynn's completely capable of feeding himself. Lynn, let me help you out there, buddy. Here, take a bite of these greens. Open up, open up. Here it comes. Woo! Big, here's the airplane. Boom. That would just be weird. Why? Because Lynn is mature enough to feed himself. The reason the church gets in this place is because they think it's my job to feed you. And it's not my job to feed you. It's our job to come together, worship the Lord in this setting, hear some words from the Lord and go out and be the church. But like all throughout the week, man, if you're not feeding yourself and you just depended on me, you are starved. You are malnourished. So when we come in here, we can't say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not fed. You know, I, I, I need somebody to feed me. No, feed yourself. Feed yourself. Why? Well, I'm just not on fire for the Lord. The music just don't do it for me. Well, guess what? It does for 80% of the other people. So are they wrong and you're right? Like if it doesn't do it for you, I love this person, this older person that uh, used to come to a church that we were at. And he said, you know, I don't, that, that new music y'all do, I, I don't even like any of that stuff. He said, but I can praise the Lord to about anything. And he said, so I just put my earplugs in and he did. Uh, he, as a matter of fact, uh, it was, I, I, I apologize. It wasn't a church that we went to. It was a church that, uh, that, that we were at. It was a church that we went to visit. And so, man, they were blowing and going. I mean, it was like, woo, this is an on fire music <laughs> happening. You know, it was like amazing. And there was this older man standing in, uh, right in front of me. And I, I, he turned around, looked at me and I, I said something to him and he like, huh? And he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I don't like this music. You know, it's great. The young people like it. I don't like it. I can worship to any, any music I want to all day long. And he said, but I just hear worshiping because I see all these young people loving the Lord. Isn't that amazing? That he, that he is like, he's in control of his soul. He's in control of his emotions. And he doesn't let his emotions get the most of him where he's like, bless God, I just don't like it. I'm going to go have a word with the preacher and tell him something. We need to sing some of those old songs that the old folks like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not saying that you don't have a, a, a cross section of your church, you know. But it's your job and my job to fuel our pursuit. It's our job to be passionate for the Lord. It's not the musician's job. It's not the preacher's job. It's not your small group leader's job. It's not the children's leader's job. It's not the youth pastor's job. It's the job of the individual. Now they need coaching. Don't get me wrong. We all need that. But when it comes to our pursuit and our passion of him, at the end of the day, we are none of us going to be able to stand in front of him. And, and if we've waxed cold in our relationship, we're going to say, well, it was the preacher's fault. I'm just saying. 
Like he really wasn't on point most of the time. Well, it was the music, folks, people. Well, I didn't even like blah, blah, blah. No, it's going to be about us and it's going to be about our responsibility. So here's a few things I want. How do I rekindle my passion if I've lost it or, or if I've left it? Because I don't know about you, but we've all been there at times. I love how Paul said to Timothy, he said, hey, Timothy, stir the gift up inside of you. And of course, he was talking about a spiritual gift, but he was also talking about the passion for that spiritual gift. Hey, hey, Timothy, you stir it up. You stir it up. We laid hands on you. You received it from the Lord, and it was a fiery moment at that time, but you stir up your gift. And how do you rekindle this passion for the Lord? Well, the first thing he said, remember. In other words, he said, look how far you've fallen. Look how far you've, you've, um, you've been set back. In other words, remember the first works. Remember what it looked like when you first came to the Lord. I don't know about you, but when I first came to the Lord, man, I wanted to be in the house of God every time the door opened. I wanted to volunteer for everything, every job in the church. I just was on fire for God. Now there are times where I have to tell myself, I can't take that on. I can't take that on. Remember your first works. Remember where you were. Are you further along or have you regressed in your relationship with the Lord? He says, not only that, but repent. He says, look how far you've fallen and then turn back to me. Repentance is not saying, God, I'm sorry that I haven't felt close to you. Repentance is turn back to him. You know, take and then do your first works, which is this, redo. He says, redo your first works. There are some folks that if I could just, you know, be honest with you, it's like you need to find a place and serve because you haven't served in forever. Service is a way for you to rekindle your passion. And when you look at it from the church is taking something from me instead of this is something that I have to give, a gift within me to give, redo your first works. There are some of you, there's some, uh, some of us, and I include myself, that when we look at where we are, there are some things we need to return to and we need to begin to redo those again. We need to return and we need to study the scripture like we used to study it. We need to pray like we used to pray. We need to um, uh, be involved in the fellowship like we used to pray. And there are people, as you get older and as you uh, grow more mature in your faith, and I don't necessarily uh, mean mature as in you're growing, but you're just getting older in it. You know, where Paul said, brothers and sisters, it should not be this way. You are too old in the faith. You are still sucking on, on the milk of the word when you should be eating meat. There are times, man, in the body when we have to look and we have to go, man, I've just got to do some things that I may not even feel like it because I've grown um, Almost like this spiritual rigor mortis. The longer you don't serve, the, the more you tend to not serve. The longer you don't give, the easier it is just to not give again. 
That's why I'm telling you, when you're Lord over your soul, when he's Lord over your uh, uh, strength, your resources, like Alan preached last week, Shay and I, we have given faithfully. I'm not, I'm, I'm not like trying to puff myself up or anything to you today. I'm using myself as a lifelong example. Paul said, as I follow Christ, you follow me. As I do, why don't you look at my example and do like I did? Shay and I, we have been so poor at times and we have always faithfully tithed. I don't mean give an offering. Tithe, the bare minimum. 10% is where all of us should strive to start. When we couldn't pay certain things, we paid our, our honor to the Lord through our tithe. Always. Why? Because if we had let our emotions set in on us, if we had let our soul set in on us, we would have begun this journey with our mind and try to negotiate with uh, like, what can we not give to God? And, and guess what? God is normally the first, the first one to go in, in everything. Like, let's, we, church, you know I'm telling you the truth. We do not treat God like we treat our job, do we? We do not treat jo God like we treat our sports team, do we? Could you imagine telling your coach, hey, coach, ain't gonna make it this week. You don't make it. You, you ain't going to make the cut or you don't make it or you're going to be on the bench. You, you know what I'm saying? Why is it that we treat God who is the resource and sustainer of all that we have? Why is it that we always cut God first? And I'll tell you why. Because he's not Lord over our soul. Maybe some other things too, but it's because our emotions kick in. And we let the emotions dictate our actions in those areas. So he says, if you want to regain your, your passion for the Lord, re remember your first works. Remember where you were. Remember how you served. Remember how you gave. Remember how you studied. Remember how you prayed. Remember how you worshiped. Remember how you prayed. Remember how you witnessed to people. Remember how you testified of his goodness. Remember those things and repent from where you are and go back and begin to do those things. And he says, and this is the part that, you know, that we don't like. He says, and if you don't, I will remove your lampstand. I will remove your lampstand. I will come and I will remove the lampstand. The lampstand is the place of influence and the, and the place of God's presence. And how many places are we Having a church and God's presence is not there. And people don't know it anymore. They don't know it because they are going through the motions. They are doing things that look spiritual. And pastor, it sounds like you're judging. Yes, I'm judging. Yes, I'm judging. The spirit of God is not there. And that is how you get into this place where hatred is preached from the pulpit. What did he say? You've lost your first love for me and for one another.
We are living in a day right now that the church is more divided than it has ever in the, in the history of my lifetime. I can't speak for what happened before me, but ever in the history of our lifetime, we are living in a day that the church is divided. Our country is being divided. And I'm, I'm inspiring you and challenging you that we cannot be that kind of church. We can't be that kind of church. We can't be that kind of church. And I don't fully know what it looks like. I, I, I'm being straight up honest with you. Would you come? I'm being very straight up and honest with you. I don't fully know what it looks like to love in our present day culture. We're going to talk about it at some point, maybe not today. But in our present culture, the church is being divided. You know, we've got the LGBTQA, all of those. And, but they're people, man. They're people. And we're supposed to love those people. At the same time, we don't condone their lifestyle. But the church has been so hell-bent. They think they're heaven-bent, but it's really hell-bent that we are gonna get our point across and get our whatever across that it's caused so much division. And I'm telling you what, like we have got to be, the Holy Spirit spoke today that there are gonna be people that you would never think that they would come. I'm telling you what, there, there are people in this room and you can take it between the eyes because I'm fixing to punch you. There are people in this room that God won't ever send a gay person to you to witness, for you to witness to because you have too much hatred in your heart. God won't ever send a person who's Muslim to you because you're, you're, you're too busy, you know, focusing on the fact that they don't worship the same God that you worship. I'm telling you what, man, we've got we've to get to a place where we return to our first love. And what is the first love? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What's the other part? Love your neighbor as yourself. Not love your neighbor like a gay person. Not love your neighbor like a Muslim person. Not love your neighbor like a white person or black person or Hispanic person. But love your neighbor like you want to be loved. And you leave all of the theology and you leave all of the, the, the cultural correctness and the wokeness. You leave that mess out the door. Because I can promise you, you don't have to, as long as I'm the pastor here. You will never have to worry about a message being preached from this pulpit that preaches a watered-down version of God's version. God's, well, God doesn't have a version. It is what, what it is. His truth of what the sanctity of sexuality and the sanctity of marriage. You won't ever hear a watered-down version of that right here. But we can preach that and teach that and still love those who are not convinced that it's the truth. Because my job and your job as the church is to get our emotions under control. I'm talking to people in this room. I'm telling you I could come out and touch you on the nose. We have to get our emotions under control. 
when it comes to things that we don't believe and we don't agree with. That's why our country is where it is right now. And our, our nation is where it is right now. And our churches are where it, is, where, it is, where it is. Because we let our emotions get the best of us. Now is, what, now is the message making a little bit of sense to you? We've been being ruled by our emotions. He has not been Lord of our soul. And when he is Lord over our soul, guess what? It doesn't matter who's in the White House. And it doesn't matter what uh, law the Supreme Court is about to pass or repeal. It doesn't matter. You know, those, it doesn't matter. Those kinds of things. I'm telling you what, if the church will be the church, the world's going to be the world. (laughs) If the church will be the church, and we will allow him to be Lord over our emotions. I'm telling you what. We will be stronger than Black Lives Matter ever thought of being. We will be stronger than Planned Parenthood ever. Y'all, y'all understand me? We will be stronger and better and brighter and the lampstand that he walks among will be more influential if we come together and we get our act together. Y'all want to get it together with me? Because I, I, I need work and I know you need work. So stand with me and let's, let, let's dedicate our, um, our passions back to him. Here's how we do it. Confess your lack of passion. You might be as on fire as you've ever been. Great for you. Then skip to number two. Take responsibility for your lack of passion. It's not my fault. It's not somebody else's fault. And it's your fault. It's my fault. Number three, take action to begin to regain your passion. Like, hey, next week, if you don't do anything, to regain some passion, guess what? You are not going to be any more passionate than you are today. And then the last thing is this, is fuel your passion. What fuels your passion? You know what fuels my passion? Other people who are passionate. That's why I spend time every week around people who are passionate because they inspire me. On my days when my, when my emotions are out of control and I've, I, I'm, I'm waning on the God, your Lord of my soul, I'll have other people that they'll, they'll check me and they'll pull me back into alignment. We all need that. What fuels your passion? Is it reading? Is it scripture? Is it prayer? Is it worship? Whatever fuels your passion, get to a place where you begin to feed your passions again.